0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond Sunday. And today we are continuing our groups discussion from the book, The Cure for Groups. Uh, last week, we talked about leading with vulnerability and intentionality. This week, we're going to be talking about chapter three from the book, Clarifying Your Group Culture.
1: And before we jump into there, there was one question that we we wanted to discuss from chapter two that we kind of left off, and it will lead us into the next to the next chapter here. Here's the question and I'll just throw the question out. um, And I really believe that as we answer this question, it can change the perspective um, in our groups and the dynamics of our groups that will help us to to have the right relationships and relationships that are caring and healing and not destroying. Mm -hmm. So the question is this, do you see yourself as a sinner that is striving to become a saint or a saint who still
2: sins?
0: Hmm. That's good.
2: Yeah, Yeah. so answer that question. I think it's probably the biggest question um, when we think and when we think about ourselves as leaders is to answer that question um, because we've all felt the place where we, you know, we're, we're sitting there and we're and we're listening to somebody talk, whether it's in a group setting or one on one or whatever, and we're not really listening, but we're trying to figure out what we're going to say next. Right. <laughs> right. You know. And and why do we do that? You know, we feel that pressure. All of us feel that pressure. I mean, all of us feel that uh, that angst. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we can't. It, we nobody just arrives at a place where they answer the the question. You know, who we truly are is a saint. If we're in Christ, and we're speaking to group leaders here, so you know, um, you know, our our thoughts are that we're speaking to all saints right now. You know. And uh, we know that. We're speaking to all saints, those who are in Christ, loved by Him, and adopted by the Father into the family of God. That's who we, that's who we are first. We don't just arrive at that. You know, we have to really establish an, a foundation of who we are, that, that, that we are uh, a saint uh, ultimately to begin with, who does still sin. Um, who struggles with sin. Yeah. Who struggles with sin, right? Who can be vulnerable with sin. Because they know who they are. Yeah. Right? But our and,
0: identity is fixed in Christ. Right.
1: We're not a yeah, we're not a sinner working to become a saint. Mm-hmm. Because of the blood of Jesus, we are a saint who struggles with sin. Yeah. Exactly. And it sounds like sometimes it can just sound like it's not a big deal, but it's mm-hmm. a big perspective change. Sure. And it can help if your if your group begins to understand that, it helps them to be a little more vulnerable, it helps those masks to come off. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well that
3: that's when Robbie was pointing to in the book. I love it. Who you are is more important than what you do. Yes, exactly. So knowing, living in that identity, yeah, is the beginning of it all. Like knowing who you are and knowing uh, what He's already done for you. Not trying to conjure up something that you're not.
1: It's really good because, and you look at a group dynamic. People fear that you might find out who they really are. Yeah, that's right. So what they do is they tell you what they do. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And If we only if we never get past the surface of telling each other what we do to get to who we really are, then it's not going to be again, what we would define as a transformational group. It's just going to be people wearing masks that are going to walk away with hopefully some knowledge at least, Mm -hmm. um, but they haven't grown in relationship and they aren't moving forward in their walk with God.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That would be our most, that would be the thing that we, we desire the most is uh, as, is that you and, and, and we would walk in who we truly are. Mm -hmm. Right. And we know this, that, um, that shame is the, uh, is the enemy of grasping who you truly are, yeah. Right? Shame will always stand opposed to us being able to walk in that and live that out practically, to to converse with one another and to just be with one another out of who we truly are. Um, shame's always saying, "All right, you've got to prove yourself. Hmm. You've got to say something or enough. do something yeah. to prove yourself." Yeah. Um, and I think Christ is continually. Leading us, and hopefully, the church is continuing leading us to this place of, uh, you know, you're a saint, you got nothing to prove. You're a child of the Father, you know, you're right where you need to be. Um, And uh, I think that's what, um, you know, I think it's what Christ wants from us.
4: Mm -hmm. Because it takes the pressure off of us. Yeah. to keep trying to be something we're not. Like our identity is only found in him. Yeah. And when we do answer that question the right way, it points it all back to him. Yes. Because it's nothing we've done on our own. It's something I've done on my own. Yeah. Um and it allows the group to know, okay, we're not working towards anything, but we're just finding and seeing who our true identity is. And it all goes back to that. And when we do go through those things or those sins that keep coming up and up and up, like we know we're not alone in that. Like we each have those things that we struggle with, but together as a group, we can work towards and hold each other accountable in those areas and help each other and pray for each other when we do realize, okay, nothing changes your identity. We just have things that we're always going to have to work on.
0: That's really good, Casey. That's Because, uh, you know, we are saints who still sin, we are going to experience conflict. Mm-hmm. Conflict is inevitable when mm-hmm. you have human beings around. Mm-hmm. You are going at some mm-hmm. point. If yes. you, I mean, if you have a family, if you have children, you know this to be true. Um, you can love each other and all day long, but uh, but but we will experience conflict, mm-hmm. and and it's okay. Uh, that's so that's part of you know est- establishing clarifying our group culture. Um, what this quote? I loved this from the book. You can have a great destination. And a strong selfless captain, but if you have a mistrusting, conflict-prone true, crew, sorry, your chances of a successful voyage are pretty slim. Mm-hmm. If no one's sure what their role is, what the rules are, or how they're supposed to interact with each other, every task is going to feel like an uphill battle instead of a smooth coordinated operation. Mm-hmm. You'll spend more time meditating or mediating tense interactions than sailing. Establish your crew's establishing your crew's culture is vital. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that?
1: Well, yeah. <clears throat> so our, our like our, our last podcast, we talked about leading them with vulnerability, but how your group responds to that vulnerability is just as important. Yes. And so I guess the question becomes: How do we encourage our groups to learn how to respond? How do we help them to know? And how do we help group leaders lead their groups to respond properly?
0: Yeah.
2: Mm. Well, um, the quote one of the quotes was: uh, "If you don't manage culture, it manages you." Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, I feel like um, in just who I am, I feel like sometimes I, I f- those things, if you just, you know, you know, or you, you're walking out of, you know, who you are in Christ, then uh, even without stating it, it's going to work itself out in the end. The culture's going to, it's got to work itself out in the end. And that and the first part, the first piece of that, a healthy you, is true. Um, one thing you always got to, I think, keep an eye on is is how the conversation's going um, and those and those values and those commitments that we'll talk about later in a little bit uh how they're being upheld you know um i know that the the one of the big ones for uh, any kind of recovery setting is this idea of um, we're not going to fix each other and there's no crosstalk
3: hmm.
2: right there's no crosstalk allowed in a lot of different settings we don't say that in regeneration we do it but we we do uphold that value. That what we're is not,
0: crosstalk? Explain what that is.
2: Crosstalk is if somebody shares about a struggle, then um, even well-meaning, somebody else steps in and says, well, let me tell you about you know what I did in that situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Very well-meaning. Somebody just shared their heart, maybe a deep struggle or something that they're uh, hurt by from the past, and then somebody else says, well, let me tell you what I did. Mm. You know, mm. and shuts and we've that all, person down. We've
0: all yeah. done that. We've all
1: done that. <laughs> yeah. that's when yeah. you say
2: it out loud, I'm like, oh, that's convicting <laughs> to me.
1: <laughs> I just did that uh, yesterday. And, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's hard. Yeah. So the, yeah. the idea of we're not here to fix anybody. Um, we're here to listen and, and let them share and and let them feel. We talked about feeling last in our last podcast as well. To follow those feelings, we'll
2: let pe- let other people follow those feelings as well. Yeah. yeah so is there is there a culture of that in your group. Mm-hmm. Do you see it happen? You know, do you see people, you know, trying to go ahead and state their opinion or thoughts for every little thing said? Is that happening, or is it a, a safe place yeah. uh, to just to to be vulnerable and open?
0: And yeah. you don't even have to agree. This is important. Like I think sometimes as 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 Christ followers, we feel like we all have to be on the same page. Um, we're not all at the same points in our journey yeah. uh, with as as each other, and so. You don't always have to agree. And and that's maybe not the the point either when when people do start sharing and opening up, they may be a brand yeah. new Christ follower. Right. And they don't they haven't been following Christ as long as you have, but you give them that space mm-hmm. to feel safe to share. That connection, they 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 will open up more. They it will draw them in. Yeah. And and that's really important.
2: Yeah. I think we sometimes feel like the urgency that we have to do something in this we have moment. To fix, yeah. But we have to know that there, in your group, there, and in our groups, there are people in there, there are going to be people in there who really don't have a relationship in, with Christ. Right, right.
0: right. We got to know
2: that, right? Yeah.
1: I can think of an instance where um, it, it was around Halloween time, and in a group that I was a part of, we had people who celebrated Halloween mm-hmm. by a trick-or-treating or whatever, and we had some who didn't. Yeah. And we had got to a point in, in the relationships and it was pretty early on, but they got to the point where the families who didn't there was disagreements, but it was okay. Mm-hmm. Nobody had to have a nobody was sarcastic. Nobody gave any comments. Um it was just letting letting other families share their convictions about it and they were okay with other families' convictions or we couldn't find anything. I mean, you know, it's kind of a simple a simple example. That's a great um, example. But huh? it was yep. it, it, we we could have shut down some people in that group if we had said, "Well, wait a minute." and told our opinion <laughs> yeah. or, or whatever. Shit. Um but it didn't hinder the group at all because we we it became a safe place to share those type of things and that mm-hmm. was not a big mm-hmm. it wasn't a big deal. Um yeah. but it, it, I think back that had we responded in a different way, it mm-hmm. could have been a really big deal. Mm-hmm. It, they would have just completely shut down and maybe not shared anything else the rest right. of the semester.
3: Right. Mm. We, we've said often uh, in, in the past, being able to train leaders uh, in groups, when we talk about vulnerability and creating uh, places that are safe for them to open up and share, we've always just said, Hey, what we, what we say in this group stays in this group. You know, we create, we create a real se- a secure mm-hmm. uh, safe place for them to open up and share. And I know we need to get to uh, relationship uh, uh, killers and, and healers in this chapter, but Robbie opens up by saying in the beginning things can go sideways quickly if we don't take time to clarify the values and commitments of the group. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, I, and I wanted to say there's two things that just come to my mind when I think about group and I think about leading as a leader. It's really important to be invitational as a leader because we're we're as, we're inviting them into the group in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. And then in the group, we're inviting them to be vulnerable first because as a leader, I, I want to model that. Yeah. So we want to be invitational, but at the same time on the front end, if we're talking about how to manage the culture and conflict well – we also want to be challenging too, because people are coming in a group not because they want to stay the same. Yeah. Sure. So, so it's not invitational, or challenging. As a as a good leader, we can we can be both. It's invitation and challenge. Yeah.
0: That's great. That's really and that, that's a really good dynamic. Mm-hmm. So, you guys have mentioned both of you talked about the. Um, the, the relationship killers and healers. So there's there's a list in the book that, that Robbie gives us of relationship killers. Kevin, why don't you tell us what those are?
1: Okay. Let's read through. I'm just going to read through a list for you as you listen here, um, and you can think about the ones that you struggle with or that, that you've seen. Uh, relationship killers would be dominating the conversation, not adhering to confidentiality, using sarcasm, gossiping, not prioritizing the group or the relationships, not being emotionally present, judging one another, trying to fix each other, preaching more than asking questions. Mm. (laughs) So let's talk before we move to healers. Let's Mm. just talk about the the dynamic there, how that impacts the groups. Mm.
4: I think something for me that I had to realize is I like to fix problems. I don't like things like simmering for too long. And so trying to, when someone does share, I've come to realize sometimes it's okay just to say thank you for sharing. Like I know that meant a lot for you to share. Um, Rather than if I haven't walked through something they're sharing, I should be confident enough of myself that I don't have to try to make up that I understand or like Mm -hmm. have that connection with them. But just knowing like it took a lot for them to say that. So just saying thank you. Like thank you for sharing that. Thank you for stepping up. And then obviously having conversations even outside of the group or having other people step in that can help them. Um, But I think knowing like the humility side that I had to learn was it's okay that I can't help everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like only the Lord can either save them or um, help them overcome these things. That's but right. just yeah. giving them a safe place to talk about it, but mm. then having other people step in and help them when it goes past what I'm capable of doing is yes. I think is so important as leaders for us to, to yeah. get to the point like we're okay to not have to fix yeah. everything.
2: That's a really good, <clears throat> just a little statement to say is just thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is just a, a to, to have that as a part of a group culture yeah. is a real important thing. Yeah. And you can totally lead that as a leader. Just thank you for sharing. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing. Oh, the leader's not going to try to step in and fix it? Well, I don't either. <laughs> you know, like, mm.
1: And for the person who's sharing, how many times have you been on that side of it where someone says, thank you for sharing, because you really weren't looking for them to fix it. You really just needed exactly. to share it. You just wanted it. someone to listen. And, yeah. and then if I wanted something different, then... If someone said thank you for sharing, and I really was looking for their advice or something, I would go back to them later Mm -hmm. and feel the freedom to say, "Hey, I shared that, but I really was looking for some input. Can you help me out?" Yeah, Mm -hmm. let them come back and do that.
0: Um, Yeah, that's really good. The book even says uh, Robbie gives a a list of like nonverbal cues. You know, maybe if you just in picking up um, to encourage people to open up and share, and and that's or that's actually a verbal cue, but telling people thank you for sharing or. You know uh, your eyes. Uh, yeah, just looking at them yeah, while look, they talk is so yes, important. Being present and looking at them, but also offering that thank you for sharing, giving them that that space to open up is really important.
2: Yeah, that goes for every relationship we have, one-on-one relationships, family relationships, whatever. <laughs> I think especially husband and wife. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes we don't we don't uh, have to give the fix. We listen, mm-hmm. right? And then maybe sometime that they'll, they'll ask, like they'll mm-hmm. ask, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what did you do in this situation or, or whatever? And I've seen that happen in group settings that that person will ask. And then that gives us an open door. Yeah.
1: So as you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to read these relationship killers again. We could, you could, we could spend hours talking about these. And then I'm going to read right behind it the re- relationship healers, mm-hmm. and we can talk about those as well. But I want you to heal the, hear those killers first again. Here they are, dominating the conversation, not adhering to confidentiality, using sarcasm, which may or may not be my spiritual gift, <laughs> gossiping, not prioritizing the group or the relationships, not being emotionally present, Judging one another, trying to fix each other, preaching more than asking questions. Those are relationship killers. Here's a list of relationship healers that Robbie mentions in the book demonstrating concern, paraphrasing to show understanding, using nonverbal cues, brief verbal affirmations like I hear you, I know, I understand, asking open ended questions, asking specific questions to seek clarification, and waiting to disclose your opinion. Mm-hmm. Um and before we talk about what they are, it's not a bad list to read through if you're a group leader with your group. And you can do yeah. it anytime just to say, hey, here's something I've learned relationship killers and relationship healers, read through the list and that gives you Fantastic. It gives you an opportunity that when someone does start to preach or someone does start to interrupt, that you can enforce that and mm-hmm. say, Hey, remember yeah. that list of relationship mm-hmm. healers or relationship killers that we talked about? We're kind of we're leaning in that direction. So let's get back and, and really That's try good. to you know, just it gives you permission or it gives you a way to to enforce that because right. mm-hmm. gravity of the heart is towards sin. And so that judging, that sarcasm, that that those type of things that'll lead us in the wrong direction yeah. will sneak in if we're not able to to clarify and verbalize what we're talking about. So let's talk about those relationship healers. What are those hmm. which one of those stuck out to you guys?
3: Yeah, so I think his biggest thing here too is just trying to uh point us in direction that we're still trying to uh, we're still trying to create deep connections in the group, and and that's still happening around trust. We're trying to build trust, mm-hmm. and so when he says uh, a healing uh, opportunity, a healing thing, uh, is to uh, paraphrase to show understanding. Mm-hmm. That, that all of a sudden, when someone does go to a deeper level and they are being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that person in the group is done speaking and you as a leader paraphrase so what I hear you saying or what I understand you saying is and repeat back in a paraphrase version of what they just said, all of a sudden they just feel heard.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They
3: know, yeah. they know someone's hearing me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in and this so good. in this really uh, vulnerable moment. Um, which is which is huge. So I, I I love seeing this play out in groups. Yeah.
0: yeah, that right there is so crucial. I think all of those, um, not not um, you know paraphrasing to show understanding and not giving the solution or, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. just you know just listening and 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 offering them space to be heard
2: mm-hmm. and asking questions for clarification. I think that's really mm-hmm. as a part of that. Mm-hmm. I hear you saying mm-hmm. this. Can you could you uh, just explain this a little bit? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It gives them more of a chance That's to right. be vulnerable, right? The,
3: the power of the second question. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I
4: think like Kevin said, laying these out at the beginning of your group yes. is so important because it mm-hmm. sets the sets the tone for the rest of the semester mm-hmm. and shows as a leader, this is what I care about. And so we mm-hmm. want this whole group to care about these things and to, to not be the killer and be a healer. Right. right? Yeah. Because everyone wants to join a group to grow and to, yeah. to do it, but we all fall into being a relationship killer without even realizing it. So setting the tone for that and saying these mm-hmm. are values of the group that we want this to be. And so you have that opportunity to point it out in each other and Mm. say that it's okay if I see this in you or, and as leaders, we can say, tell me when I'm being a killer (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and how can I be more of a healer? And so being honest with yourself and with them, I think.
0: And that's leading with intentionality, Casey. Mm -hmm. That's, That's you know, starting the group, uh, just like we, we talked about in a, in a previous episode, we talked about um, clarifying your goals. That's the destination Mm -hmm. as a group also, clarifying your culture Mm -hmm. by establishing values and your commitments ahead of time Mm -hmm. will help set up your group for success.
2: Yes. it's very good.
0: And the three different types of groups that create culture that Robbie talked about, I love this. Normal groups react as it develops. That's kind of our natural, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, go-to mode. Good groups have articulated values and commitments. Transformational groups reflect their values and live out their commitments. That's right.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: and and as Kevin mentioned earlier that's that's our goal that's what we're trying to get mm-hmm. to yeah is the transformational, the transformational groups no one wants to be a part of something
2: just to stay the same
3: yeah yeah
2: revisiting and th- that's an important thing I would say that you know I, that, that I've even struggled with leading you know we'll establish them but do I revisit those yeah. values and commitments yeah. throughout the semester do you take opportunities to refresh and, and re-up you know so
1: and if you celebrate those healers when you see them yeah. it gives you room and permission, we, we keep saying that word. It gives you room and permission to enforce when someone's being a relationship killer. When you mm-hmm. see that happening, if you'll celebrate the healings, mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. you can point out the you can point out the the killing. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> going on.
3: That's I, I don't know if we said that in the last episode or two, but that that I've, I've someone shared that with me years ago. It's so good here. W- what you celebrate. Is what you cultivate, mm-hmm. you know, that's great. and so and so to continue to celebrate those things. Now yeah. you're building that into the culture of your group just by celebrating. Yeah, that's huge. It's good. Yeah. That's good. That's
1: really good, and and that leads that gives you that that leads you to those kind of relationships and those type of groups that are going to change people's lives forever. And it's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we gave you an assignment the first episode to clarify your goals for your group, but here's another one for you. Um, if you guys are in the middle of leading a group right now. Or early on in leading a group, here's here's a here's a homework assignment for you. Have your group establish values and commitments. Mm-hmm. Uh, get the conversation mm-hmm. started. Just asking, hey, what do we want to value here in our as our group, and what do we want the commitments to be to this group? And, and they aren't necessarily attendance commitments, although mm-hmm. you know being committed to attend is is an important part of the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are things that are going to come up, and we're not trying to create guilt there. Uh, the commitments are about about these relationship healers and killers. Um, so have your group establish values and commitments. And I do believe, and I'm saying this, um, aspirationally because I've not always done this and I haven't been great at it, but I'm really encouraged and inspired to move forward with it. I believe that as you establish values and commitments in your groups, it will, it will make an important impact and lead you to a, the possibility of a transformational group as opposed to just a normal group or even a good group.
0: That's really, that's great. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining us again. And uh, thanks for listening. And thank you to the discipleship team for this discussion. Uh, thanks for listening. And we will be back with you next week with chapter four.
1: So long.
4: Farewell.